If you have been listening to this podcast so far, you have some idea of what this podcast is about and of who some of the candidates are in this podcast race for president. In the Democratic primary, you've heard about John F. Kennedy Jr., Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm, and San Francisco Supervisor Harvey Milk. In the Republican primary, you have heard about President Ronald Reagan and Alaskan Governor Sarah Palin. But what is this podcast about, really? On one level, it is where fantasy football meets American politics. It allows all of us to imagine whether larger-than-life figures in American history would have a chance to defeat Donald Trump to become president today, and why this can happen or why it might not. And you, the listener, get to vote for the candidate of your choice. And you can do that by going to our website right now or after this podcast is over and vote for your candidate at BigShot-Podcast.com. But on another level, this podcast is much deeper than a fantasy presidential election. It explores who we are and who we really want running our country today. It examines where we are as a democracy and as a country. In this Big Shot podcast episode, you will hear about what you, the voter, thinks about and why. And we will ask leaders and experts in the Republican and Democratic worlds which of our fantasy candidates might be a frontrunner based on the mood of the voter preferences at this time. You will also hear from some Democratic Party leaders and understand who they might be supporting and why. For some of us, we need to understand, why is Donald Trump so hard to beat? Why don't everyday people we respect speak out against him and his antics and divisiveness? Why don't Republicans find a better Republican to run instead of him? For others of us, we need to understand, why aren't our voices being heard at all? Why doesn't this country seem to represent me unless it is Donald Trump leading the way? And why am I afraid to even raise my voice and opinion for fear of saying something wrong or the wrong way and being labeled something that I'm not? And then there's this. A lot of times all of us like to think that those who do not share our political views in these deeply divided times don't live amongst us. But they do. They are our friends, our business colleagues, our lovers, our spouses. They shop at the same stores as us. They go on the same vacations as we do. They play in the same neighborhood poker games. They are part of the same PTA meetings and same gym classes. They are not alien to our life, but very much a part of our lives. But first, let's hear about you and what presumably you are thinking about. So far, I'm sticking with Trump. I'm not stuck on a Republican candidate. But as of right now, I don't really see any Buddy on the Democratic side. Donald uh, Trump was uh, uh, a little of a, much of a stretch for me in the beginning, but when he became the nominee for the party, I backed him because he was a businessman. It's just, it's too much. He's too erratic. Every day, the nonstop tweets, what he's done on issues, especially with health care. Um, going after the Affordable Care Act now in court. Anne Celine Whitevin, an educator and a neighborhood resident, said she was attracted to Trump and his message in part because of how different he sounded. The more I listened and the more I heard his concretizing ideas, those were my ideas, and that's what I began to watch. And I was at first 
read the first debate, I was almost inside the TV. I thought, what am I listening to? You know, it was just very interesting. It was so different. And it wasn't stayed. It was just different. And it seems as though if you're a Democrat, Republican, or Independent, you are thinking wildly different things. Here's a snapshot of some Democratic voters' opinion. I'm thinking about health care, um, people that can't afford health care. Um, uh, Kayla and I are sitting at the table now, and we know of someone who passed away recently who uh, was working a full-time job but had to um, forego payments on their insurance because he just could not afford it. And so, I mean, it's really the, the state of affairs is really heavy in the black community. South Carolina, a state that did not expand Medicaid expansion. What about health care? We are always at the bottom of all good lists and the top of all bad lists. You know, health care in South Carolina is a civil rights issue. Compare that with what concerns Republican voters. Well, I'm a little scared of socialism, so that's going to be a big, you know, take on why I vote the way I vote. And, um, and I think the immigration issue right now is kind of a disaster. I'm most focused on how great the economy is right now. I mean, it's doing fantastic. I mean, we have an immigration problem at the border that a lot of people seem to be uh, denying. I mean, it's there, uh, but, you know, he's working on it. It is almost as if Republican and Democratic voters live on two different planets, literally. You Democratic listeners care more about getting good health care. You Republican listeners really care about immigration. That is your top issue by far. And Trump, according to you, is doing great on that issue. You give him 82% approval. Horribly for Democrats, you give him 12%. For Democrats, your top issue is getting rid of Donald Trump. What is it about Donald Trump that you don't like? I think he's nuts, for one thing. Followed by guns and then the economy. Listen to this South Carolina voter on this issue. The economy is doing fabulous, but for who? You know, people are back to work, but in what positions? They've had to downsize the jobs that they're taking. They went back to work, but they went back to work at McDonald's. You know, they went back to work, but they went back to work at minimum wage. And so it's not a minimum wage that we need. It is a living wage that has to be implemented. Republican expert Tony Fabrizio talks about what is on the minds of Republican voters. Tony served as the chief pollster on four Republican presidential campaigns, including Bob Dole's 96 campaign, and the Trump campaign in 2016. He believes that Republicans and Democrats all care roughly about the same issues, but rank them differently. I think that there is a, a falsehood that the issue set that Republicans concern are wholly different than the one Democrats are concerned with. I think the truth is, is that there may be a difference in terms of the import they put or the, how they prioritize the issues and how they approach the issues. But they have some of the same concerns, in fact, many of the same concerns. Immigration, health care, the economy, jobs. All of those issues are issues that voters in both parties care about. He also believes how the parties approach the issues is what makes the difference. And so, for example, in the Republican Party, you would see a greater prioritization of illegal immigration. In the Democratic Party, it would not be as great a prioritization as, say, health care. But the approaches to those issues couldn't be more different based on the leadership of the parties uh, and based on the beliefs of the parties. So on health care, you would see much more support for Medicare for All solutions and for government-run solutions. 
whereas in the Republican Party, you would see much more support for uh, more free market approaches and keeping government out of and keeping uh, patient choice and access and things of that nature. Immigration, polar opposites from each other. Uh, you know, Republicans would uh, are in favor of the wall, building the wall. They're in favor of the rule of law. You come illegally, you broke the law, you should not get benefits for it. Whereas we see the major Democrats running for president embracing giving illegals free health care and in some cases doing away with ICE and basically decriminalizing coming across the border. So it's not that they're hugely different, it's that the approaches are hugely different. On the issue of Trump being the sole determining issue of the campaign, here's what Fabrizio had to say about that. I think at the end of the day, when it comes down to two candidates, and those two candidates have their issues, their positions, their policies compared to each other, that's what will drive the election. I, I think the Democrats misjudge. They, they believe that there is such deep hatred for the president that the voters will turn the blind eye to the positions that they're taking during the nominating process, when in fact, at the end of the day, they won't. Positions and issues still matter, and they will matter in this election, and they will have consequences for them. And it's just a matter of time until you get there. Here's some more interesting tidbits about you Republican listeners. These days, 70% of Republicans identify as conservatives. That has increased from 20 years ago when it was 59%. For those of you Republicans who are Trump voters, which is nearly almost all of you, 40% of you get your information from Fox News. 87% of you approve of Trump as president, which means that you approve of his policies. And 76% of you approve of him as a person. As for you Democratic listeners, well, what do you look like? What are your habits? What do you think about? And what are your preferences? Most of you think climate change is a major issue, young voters in particular. In this regard, I'd like to give a particular shout out to a group called Sunrise, a youth-led movement on climate change. If you don't know a lot about climate change, as I did not a few weeks ago, you should learn it from this organization. Here's some more interesting factoids about you Democratic listeners. Only 20% of you Democratic voters who voted in the last two presidential cycles identify yourselves as very liberal. 44% of you identify yourselves as moderate or conservative Democrats. A lot of us judge politics by social media, social media content, and who posts content and who doesn't. But the New York Times did a deep dive on you Democrats in this regard, and this is what they found. If you don't post political content on social media, you are most likely to be a moderate or conservative Democrat. You think that political correctness is a problem in the United States. You don't follow the news as much as those who post on social media, and more of you are most likely to be African American. If you do post political content on social media, you have a college degree, you are most likely white, you become more liberal over your lifetime, and you attended a protest in the last year. Now how that squares with people in middle America, I'll let those of you in middle America figure that out.
one wild card issue that is hard to predict which way it will affect the presidential election cycle is the impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump. We've got breaking news as we come on the air. Or fast moving developments in the impeachment. Breaking right now, which shows nearly half of Americans support the impeachment of President Trump. He went on a tirade against the whistleblower against President Trump. Here is the latest into that issue from CNN. All right, the breaking news is this. Just moments ago, we received this document. This is a redacted version of the whistleblower complaint to the intelligence community that expressed serious concerns about the president and the White House. Let me read you one line. In the course of my official duties, I have received information from multiple U.S. government officials that the president of the United States is using the power of his office to solicit interference from a foreign country in the 2020 U.S. election. America seems to be open to the point of impeaching Donald Trump right now. Let's take a listen. Americans are now evenly divided on impeachment, with a notable rise among independents and Republicans supporting President Trump's removal from office. A new CNN poll just released finds 47% of Americans believe the president should be impeached, up from 41% in May. The change is not fueled by Democrats. Roughly three-quarters favor impeachment, as they did during our poll four months ago. But the support among independents has grown by 11 points and by 8 points among Republicans. For now, public sentiment is shifting. 45% of Americans oppose the historic move, down from 54% in May. A week after Speaker Nancy Pelosi opened an impeachment inquiry, she said Democrats would build their case on patriotism, not partisan politics. Let us try not to make it further divisive, but we cannot ignore our oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. So it's an open question right now as to how impeachment will play out. But do our Republican and Democratic experts think we care about the issue a whole hell of a lot? Here's Tony Fabrizio on Republican voters. They think it's a power grab. I mean, if you look at the polling, uh, even the media's polling, the group that has shifted the most on impeachment are Democrats, not independents, not Republicans. They've moved a few points, but the biggest shift has been among Democrat partisans. And that's what's propped up the increase, whatever increase there's been in the public numbers. And so, you know, you ask Republican voters, average Republican voters, what they think about it, they're like, yeah, it's the same old Washington crap. You know, he's trying to make change. They're trying to fight it. You know, they'll try to use anything to try to stop him. You know, it's a power grab by Pelosi and company. You know, Mueller fell flat, and now they're trying this. You know, it is it is it is very interesting how resilient uh, his base remained in the face of this. Our Democratic expert is Antoine Seray. Antoine is a young rising star within the Democratic Party. He's a Democratic advisor to congressional leader Jim Clyburn and frequently appears on Fox News, MSNBC and Face the Nation. Seawright worked on the presidential campaign of Hillary Clinton in 2008 and 2016. Well, obviously, it's on the minds of people who are inside the political bubble. Uh, and I don't want to downplay the significance of what the president of the United States has done, openly inviting a foreign country to dig up dirt on his political opponent. So we can't downplay that. But the flip side to that is saying that that's in an isolated bubble. When you talk to everyday people who may not be able to wrap their arms around what impeachment really means, they're more concerned about putting food on the table 
how they're going to pay for prescription drugs or, you know, whether their kid is going to be able to afford to stay in college uh, for the next semester. That's on their minds. And so what I think Democrats are going to have to do is demonstrate the difference between governing and messaging from a political standpoint. Governing and, po- and politics, you know, I think, are different. Uh, I think that you see the Congress filling out their responsibilities to provide oversight or checks and balances to the executive branch. And that's why you see the investigating part. But Congress also should continue legislating, passing bills like the, the 250 pieces of legislation this Democratic Congress has. So when election time comes, they can clearly make the case that show that Democrats can walk and chew gum at the same time. So what does the middle American voter think at this deeply divided time in our country's history? Just to be clear, I am not from middle America, although I recently drove my daughter 16 hours straight to start her first job out of college to work on a presidential campaign in Iowa. Never mind which campaign, thank God she has a job and she is out of my house. But everybody is obsessed about what middle America thinks. There are swing states that can win or lose the 2020 presidential election. States like Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, heartland states like that. Do we hear the voices and know the voices of what the people think in those states? Republican strategist Tony Fabrizio says as much explicitly that the Democrats don't speak for them. I think they constantly misjudge and they're playing to their base and their base is not middle America. That's not their base. Antoine Seawright believes that the Democratic Party does speak for these individuals and speaks for middle America and for the issues that middle America cares about. Here's what he has to say about that. I think what's crystal clear around the country is that the issues that matter to most Democratic voters and just as American voters are are issues that impact people's quality of life, health care, wages, uh, education, voting rights, all those things, housing, all those things that impact the quality of life that everyday people uh, have in the country. And the more you see the party of Donald Trump, the Republican Party, behave and show how they want to govern, it's crystal clear they are out of touch with some of the real issues, uh, like these issues that matter to people's uh, everyday quality of life. Antoine takes it one step further when he talks about sometimes this supposed division between African-American and white voters. I think the issues that matter to African-American voters are also the issues that matter to most working-class voters. In this country, Charlie, uh, as you know, we sometimes try to separate the two, but the issues for uh, white working-class people are the same issues for African-American voters all across the country. The difference is, for a very long time in this country, white working-class voters vote against their interests, and they think their issues are different than ours, but they're really not. And that's why you see particular rural parts of this country continue to go full steam backward because they, they think these issues are isolated to simply help African-American voters. But Seawright's claim is contradicted in a segment on a podcast of the popular This American Life entitled Beer Summit, where two Indiana Democrats have left the Democratic Party to support Donald Trump. Here's what they had to say. What do you think the Democrats don't understand about somebody like you or somebody like Russ who identified for a long time as a Democrat and then they and then they left for Trump. I they, don't think they care. That, and that's the deal. They have an agenda and they don't care what we think anymore. I mean, everything is about 
illegals and, and the poor and everything else, they don't care about uh, us anymore. They, they just don't. It's just like we're irrelevant. You know, you don't give a shit about us. So if there was a Democratic politician, though, and you felt like that is somebody who cares about a guy yeah, like a me. Deal. That's a big deal. That's the kind of thing that could get you back. That's huge. Yes. You know, uh, it ain't just what Trump does, but it's about feeling like you matter. You know what I mean? If you think somebody don't give a crap about you, well, what does it matter? You know, you're going to go towards somebody that cares, somebody that, you, you know, think, thinks you matter. That's, that's, that's the bottom line. What about us? We asked Seawright about Russ and Mike. Uh, I don't buy into this idea that the Democratic Party left anybody. I think, no disrespect to these two gentlemen or persons, but they left the Democratic Party. Because if they care about the things that Democrats have always cared about, education, health care, wages, housing, all those priorities have not changed in this party. The only difference is, the people may have changed, but the priorities have not changed. And so this idea that sometimes we get cute with our messaging and say the Democratic Party has left us, I just don't buy into it because we may have our issues in this party, Charlie, but our issues do not compare to our disagreements with on the issues with the other side. And I think we just have to be very crystal clear and highlighting our differences to the other side. So when people make those kind of arguments, they understand that they really – uh, don't have a clue about what the reality of the other side is doing. Tony Fabrizio takes issue with Antoine Seawright on Russ and Mike and says that there is absolutely a home for them in the Trump Republican Party. Look at how far, listen to what they said, you know, that the Democrat Party doesn't care what they do with illegals. They don't care what they do with trade. They don't care what they do protecting jobs. They don't care. I mean, what they're basically saying is that party is moving so far afield that I don't see a place for myself there. And that's fundamentally what is happening is they don't see a place for themselves there, whether it's on economics, whether it's on national security, whether it's on border security, whether it's on trade, even in some cases, whether it's on health care, because a lot of these voters have their own health care provided by their employer. And, you know, they hear plans that the Democrats are trying to take or do away with private health care. And they're like, wait a minute, I don't want the government to give me my health care. So uh, there's a lot of issues there where, you know, the Democrats have just continually moved away from them. Again, they misjudge how voters feel about the president versus how they feel about their issue positions. And what do Democratic leaders think are the important issues, and who do they support in our Big Shot fantasy race for president in the early stages of the race? Big Shot traveled out to San Francisco to meet with the Democratic leadership at the DNC meeting in August and recently spoke with the Democratic National Committee Chairman Tom Perez. The results of these discussions coming right up after the break. If you want to see Big Shot Live, you can join us at our next live taping with Anthony Scaramucci on Friday, November 1st in New York City at 3.30 p.m. Admission is free, but space is limited. Go online at bigshot-podcast.com to reserve your tickets. That's bigshot-podcast.com.
Tom Perez is the energetic leader of the Democratic National Committee, the organization that is the lead opposition to all things Republican across the country and the principal organizing structure against Donald Trump until there is a Democratic nominee for president. Perez was a hugely popular cabinet member in President Obama's administration as Secretary of Labor. Here is what Perez had to say. Our job is to elect Democrats up and down the ticket, Charlie, from the school board to the Oval Office. And we do that by building uh, strong parties, uh, strong infrastructure, strong partnerships with our friends in the ecosystem, whether it's the labor movement, Planned Parenthood, our uh, our legacy organizations, our emerging organizations. And when we are building that infrastructure, and, and by way of example, uh, roughly 6,000 candidates for office across the country in 2018 uh, used our voter file. So when our voter file and our data infrastructure is strong, candidates win up and down the ballot. And when it's weaker, uh, we put our candidates at a disadvantage. And by investing in our parties and by investing in our infrastructure, uh, and by infrastructure, I, I mean uh, organizing, uh, I mean voter protection, all of those items, uh, none of which may seem sexy, but all of which are indispensable. Uh, that's how we help uh, candidates up and down the ballot win elections. If you recall earlier, Tony Fabrizio often talked about immigration, which is what the polls show Republicans focus on and talk about as their main issue. Chairman Tom Perez actually doesn't mention immigration at all. Instead, he focuses on health care and other pocketbook issues as democratic issues of importance. Well, health care is an issue everywhere I go. Uh, people thought that the issue of whether you could keep your coverage if you had a pre-existing condition was well settled. Well, it was well settled until Donald Trump got elected president, and he wants to take that away. And we won at scale in 2018 because health care was the defining issue. Remember what Russ and Mike said? If you think somebody don't give a crap about you, well, what does it matter? You know, you're going to go towards somebody that cares, somebody that, you, you know, think, thinks you matter. DNC chair Tom Perez agrees and makes it pretty clear that the Democratic Party is doing precisely that and Donald Trump's Republican Party is not. By the way, we never brought up Russ and Mike to Chairman Perez. Uh, people want a, a leader who has their back, who, who cares about them and people like them. And what Donald Trump has demonstrated repeatedly through his actions, whether it was the tax cut bill, uh, which was a massive tax break for wealthy people and, and big corporations at the expense of everyone else. What it shows is that he's looking out for himself. And everywhere I go, people want to make sure that uh, their leaders are looking out for them, whether it's that farmer in Wisconsin who believed Trump when he said he'd be with them, but now Wisconsin's the farm foreclosure capital of the country. And that's because Donald Trump made matters worse for farmers uh, by enacting these senseless tariffs. Uh, whether it's uh, that woman with diabetes that I met, and I've met so many people like that, um, they thought he would have their back and he's got a knife in their back. Those uh, auto workers, who uh, were promised by Trump there would never be a plant closure, and now their plant's closed. So a lot of lies, and they want leaders who are going to keep their promises. They want leaders who are going to have their back. Before we turn to the leaders within the Democratic field of our Big Shot Fantasy podcast, 
we asked Tony Fabrizio his expert opinion of who, in his estimation, would be the frontrunner in the fall of 2019 in a Republican fantasy field that includes Donald Trump, Teddy Roosevelt, Condoleezza Rice, Ronald Reagan, Sarah Palin, and Abraham Lincoln. And he said... Not even close, close Donald Trump. If you're looking at it, you look at what every one of those other people are known for, they are completely out of step with the modern-day Republican Party. And I'm a huge Reagan fan. I got involved yeah, in me, politics so, because of Ronald Reagan. Yeah, tell me Ron, why. Okay. Explain that Ronald one Reagan, Reagan, Ronald Reagan was a free trader. Ronald Reagan was a free trader. Ronald Reagan signed into law the first, basically the first amnesty bill for illegal immigrants. Simpson is only. I mean, go down the list, and there were things that Ronald Reagan did that Donald Trump would never do. The Republican Party today is fundamentally different. The one that comes closest is Sarah Palin. And she's not even close. I mean, Teddy Roosevelt, forget it. <laughs> Dave Lincoln, I mean, yeah, you know, we, they, he may get points for, you know, for his, you know, embrace of civil liberties and all the rest of it. But the fact of the matter is on the issues that matter today to Republicans, he'd be out of step. He'd be totally out of step on trade, on immigration, even on probably economics. The only thing probably they'd all agree, well, not all of them. But certainly like Reagan, Trump, Palin, I don't know about Teddy Roosevelt and, and Lincoln, would be on taxes and size of government. Maybe. When we turned to our fantasy candidates, we had a surprise questioner for Chairman Perez. I'm sitting here in the Spectrum TV studios and only have a few moments. Tom, you did such an outstanding job as my Secretary of Labor. And when others would have chosen to fade into the sunset, you doubled down and took on the thankless job of DNC chair. You've been one of the greatest DNC chairs in DNC history. Uh, my question to you is, how can I get a leg up in this fantasy race for the Democratic nomination against candidates like Bobby Kennedy, FDR, Harvey Milk, and Thomas Jefferson? And how do we beat Donald Trump? That's a great question from a great president. And... Uh... What all those folks have in common and what, and what my former boss, President Obama, who just got off the phone, uh, has in common is that uh, their North Star was always making sure that we were helping everyday Americans, making sure that people could get a fair shake, um, making sure that the little guy knew that the person at 1600 uh, had them in mind every day that they woke up. And that is why I loved working for President Obama, because we were always about how do, we, how do we lift wages for workers? How do we make sure the workplace is safe? How do we prevent discrimination against our LGBTQ brothers and sisters or our African-American brothers and sisters or, or religious minorities or other people of color? How do we make sure we unite this country and let dreamers dream? Donald Trump's currency is fear. He wants to divide us. He wants uh, immigrant communities to have the fear of God in them so they won't show up and vote. He wants uh, people who are non-minority to look at the immigrant in their community and fear them. Uh, that's not who we are as a nation. Our most enduring symbol of freedom is Lady Liberty, uh, not too far from where you live. That's who we are as a nation. That's who Barack Obama, that's what he embodies. And uh, I, I tell you, I, I mean, I've got to vote for Barack Obama in the Fantasy League. He's my Patrick Mahomes, okay? So let, me be care let me be clear about that, okay? 
because I got history with the guy. And the fact that he called into your show was just remarkable. Another Democratic leader, Democratic National Committee woman Christine Pelosi from California, emphasized the importance of women candidates and the importance of women to the Democratic Party. I think what we need is a diverse ticket. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to, um, racial diversity and I think we need a woman, one, one or two. Um, is it safe for president or for vice president? But I think that if you look at the exigencies of the situation, when you look at how women have been so harmed by this administration when it comes to rolling back our rights, you know, the trying to reverse Roe versus Wade, the gag orders with um, our, our reproductive information, the um, slashing workers, the harm. Uh, when, it, when workers are hurt and working families are hurt, it's women who bear the biggest burden of all. These Medicaid so-called work rules, they fall disproportionately on women and women of color. So I think that's why you have to have the people um, who are closest to um, the situation, closest to the pain, ought to be uh, represented. Also, if you look at, at, at the Democratic base, the Democratic base is people of color and it is white women. Not white men, but it's white women. If you look at the, the you know, 52 or 53 percent of women who reported in the exit polls that they voted for Donald Trump. But if you look at the exit polls of 2018, Democrats won, well, black women overwhelmingly, you know, Asian women, Native women, um, Pacific Islander women, and, uh, Latinas, and even white women. That was a swing of something like 13, 14 points. So I think if you want to say, who are my voters? Who is going to be a custodian of the future? That's a woman. And when we asked her what is the most important issue? Climate, climate, climate. With respect to women candidates, South Carolina Democratic National Committee member and candidate for United States Senator Jamie Harrison supports woman candidate Shirley Chisholm for president, saying, I think for me it would be interesting Shirley Chisholm. Shirley is one of my, uh, Miss Chisholm is one of my sheroes. Uh, someone who understood the, the fierce urgency of now. Someone who was not shy to stand up and say what needed to be said. Uh, she was a champion for the least of these and I think uh, would be a stark contrast to Donald Trump. Somebody that again who, who would, would talk about this party and our values about being hopeful and aspirational. And fellow South Carolinian Antoine Seawright supports Shirley Chisholm as well, saying, I would want to work for Ms. Chisholm. I wrote an op-ed piece in the New York Daily News yesterday, uh, Charlie, uh, a few days ago. And I said in my piece that I benefit from the shoulders and the prayers of strong black women to sharecropper grandparents. This idea that my mother or someone who looked like my mother could one day be the leader of the free world that excites me like no other, uh, because I'm a firm believer and that when women lead, America succeeds. And so working for Ms. Chisholm would, would be probably uh, an honor that I would never would forget. While we were out in San Francisco, we took our first big shot poll of the Democratic field in our fantasy race for president, and we took it of the Democratic leadership, and the results might surprise you. Out of all of our Democratic candidates, Eleanor Roosevelt, Gary Hart, Harvey Milk, John F. Kennedy Jr., FDR, 
Bobby Kennedy, Nancy Pelosi, Alexander Hamilton, Thomas Jefferson, Shirley Chisholm, and Barack Obama. Leading the pack so far is former New York Senator and U.S. Attorney General Bobby Kennedy. He leads with 39% of the vote, followed by former President Barack Obama with 31%. Coming in a distant third is Franklin Roosevelt with 12%, and Shirley Chisholm is at fourth with 9%. As a reminder, you can go online and vote your preference at bigshot-podcast.com. At the end of episode three, we will reveal the results for both the Republican and Democratic presidential primary results. At the end of our second full episode, is anything making any more sense about us, about our democracy? A Republican expert tells us that Donald Trump a president currently at the center of an impeachment inquiry would be way ahead of Abraham Lincoln in a Republican primary. Lincoln, whose face adorns Mount Rushmore, who has a monument dedicated to him in our nation's capital, who Republicans and Democrats alike, Americans all, is considered one of the greatest presidents in our nation's history. And Ronald Reagan, beloved by Republicans and conservatives everywhere, would also be trounced by Donald Trump, in part because Reagan was too soft on immigration and was also a free trader. In today's Republican Party, nearly 90% of you approve of the president and how he's handling his job, and a hell of a lot of you like him. You love the job he is doing on immigration, and that is the most important issue to you today by far. You feel that he speaks for you. As for you Democrats, well, you hate the president. You think he's crazy. You think he's a liar and that he's out for himself. He's divisive. He says things are getting better while you think they are getting worse. But the thing I keep thinking about is that as divided a country as we are, we are still pretty much living together, working together, playing together, sleeping together. How are we managing to do it and still not falling apart as a community and as a country entirely? This is your host, Charlie King. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Big Shot. If you like what you heard and want to see how this year's fantasy race for president unfolds, please make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Thanks to contributing editor Greg Drilling, who has done an unbelievable job. Editor Caroline King and contributors Marissa Kosha, Jack Bavacqua, and Kim Winston for making this podcast. Thanks also to Rachel Nordlinger for her tips on podcast promotion. Special thanks to our sponsor, Frank Carone, for sponsoring this entire podcast season. Special thanks to our guests, Tom Perez, Tony Fabrizio, Antoine Seawright, Christine Pelosi, and South Carolina United States Senate candidate, Jamie Harrison. To learn more about Jamie's Senate campaign, go to jamieharrison.com. You can learn more about all our guests and Sunrise, the organization about climate change, in our show notes. Also, that was not Barack Obama who called into the podcast, but Barack Obama impersonator Reggie Brown. 
Learn more about Reggie in our show notes as well. Remember, don't forget to vote for your favorite candidate online at BigShot-Podcast.com. And if you want to come see an episode of Big Shot Live, come see Anthony Scaramucci on November 1st at 3.30 p.m. You need to reserve seats online at BigShot-Podcast.com. Hurry because space is limited. The admission is free. Thank you to episode sponsors, Blue Suit Strategies, Stuart Applebaum, and RWDSU. They sponsored free t-shirts for the DNC meeting in San Francisco. Big Shot also thanks sponsors Spectrum and Adam Falk. And thank you to Mercury Public Affairs, a high-stakes public strategy firm with offices across the country and around the world. This is your host, Charlie King. See you next time.